Good afternoon, good evening, or good night, my beautiful listeners. Thank you so much for joining me again on Sam Perspective, the best podcast that exists anywhere about anything, about any topic. Once again, this is your host with the most, Alfred Faber. I am a sound designer and filmmaker working and living here in beautiful God's country, sunny Sydney, Australia. Um, And I love chatting to people who work in film that do what film does best, which is combine sight and sound. How exciting. Today, we'll be talking to the creative team of the Australian psychological horror film Relic, a really fantastic feature debut by the director Natalie Erica James. Relic is a story about a woman, Kay, played by Emily Mortimer, who returns to her aging mother's home in rural Australia with her daughter. When sinister things start happening, it's unclear whether the grandmother's dementia or a presence in the house is to blame. It really beautifully combines the genres of haunted house with a family drama to make a really moving but also terrifying film. I think horror as a genre is in such an exciting place right now. And this is a really perfect example of young filmmakers making films with very three-dimensional, interesting characters and nuanced drama, but through the lens of a genre film. Love it. 10 out of 10. As I said, Relic is Natalie's first feature, which is pretty impressive for a film that was produced by Jake Gyllenhaal, executive produced by the Rousseau brothers, and premiered at Sundance this year. Definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, In Australia, it's available on Stan, and overseas, you can get it on Amazon Prime, and I think iTunes and Google Play and that sort of stuff. Uh, Our other guest today is the sound designer of Relic, Rob McKenzie. Rob is one of Australia's top sound designers, having worked on films such as The Nightingale, Peter Rabbit, The King, and Hacksaw Ridge, for which he won the best Oscar in sound mixing, along with Andy Wright, who I interviewed in, I think, episode three or something. Anyway, you can find me and the podcast on social media. Uh, On Facebook, the podcast is Sound Perspective. On Instagram, you can find me at Alfie Faber. And on Twitter, I'm Alfred Faber. Please do leave a rating or a view in the iTunes, uh, in the podcast app. Or, you know, flick me an email at contact at soundperspectivepodcast.com. Anyway, here's a beautiful team at Relic. Enjoy. (laughs) Okay, I'm here with Natalie Erica James and Robert McKenzie. Hey, guys. Hey. Thanks for having us. Hi, Hi, Thank you so much for joining me both. Um, Rob and Natalie, do you each want to just give me a, like, brief little rundown of your career so far? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, Relic is my first feature, so I was the co-writer and director. Um, Prior to Relic, I'd I'd just done a bunch of short films, one of which was called Creswick, and that was kind of a proof of concept for Relic and was quite helpful in getting it financed. Um, And then apart from short films, I've made music videos and commercials. So that's 
yeah, kind of the breadth of my work. Cool. Did you um, study in film? I did. Yeah, I went to the BCA in Melbourne. Oh, cool. So I did the bachelor cool. there and yeah. then I took a year off and then went back to pay for deadlines to do my honours year mm. um, and shot a film in Beijing. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, Rob, what about you? What's your history? Um, I started in the back room at, in Melbourne at a facility called Sound Firms in the tape room and um, gradually sort of worked my way into mixing and sound design. Um, I, I've worked on quite a few sort of Asian action films in the early noughties and um, yeah, m- most most recently with Nat on Relic. Uh, what are some other projects that you've worked on? Uh, we recently finished um, The King with David Michaud oh, cool. and, and um, the Peter Rabbit movies, um, uh, Hacksaw Ridge with Mel Gibson. Um, and um, yeah, um, I'm currently doing some restorations for Wonka Wai of his older films. So we're doing, oh, really? we're doing 2046 today. So yeah, cool. So, That's so exciting. Yeah, it's, it's been really fun, actually. I had doing no Dobby idea. Doing mixes of, um, of all of his films. Wow. Because he's got something it's new a... coming out, right? He's got a new... Yeah, yeah, he's got a TV series coming out that oh, I'm yeah. wow. about, well, that he's, he's going to start up. Um, Blossom, I think it's called. Awesome. Yeah, um, really cool. The last yeah. guy, the last guy I interviewed, uh, Ron Bartlett, was um, uh-huh. he did the uh, restoration of the original Blade Runner, and mm-hmm. he oh, was yeah. talking about what a like torturous pro- process it is, like getting the material from the original source files. Is it really difficult for? The stuff you're doing as well. Yeah, luckily I wasn't involved in that process. They, um, the lab in Hong Kong, sourced all of the material, mm-hmm. which would have been a huge job in and of itself. But luckily, I, they delivered me a Pro Tools session with everything in it. Um, nice. But it was sort of chopped together from the Khan version, from the, you know, this version and that version, because he tends to release so many versions of the film. Right. It would have been a real journey just to find the materials. Mm. But someone at the lab did a great job in getting all the materials. Um, and this happened right when COVID hit, actually. So mm. the original plan was for me to go to Hong Kong to do it. Oh. But uh, couldn't do that. This was back in March. Mm. Um, so we actually did did it and are doing it remotely. So I'm in my mix room and we hook up via Source Connect and um, – uh, and he's in a studio in Hong Kong, and so it's it's almost like being in the same room. But I think everyone's sort of working out new ways of working like that. But um, mm-hmm. it's worked quite well so far. That's cool. Uh, we're, so we're sort of on Skype, and you know, I'll play, and he'll say, you know, can this be, you know, louder or softer, or can we have this spatially like that? And um, I can address those notes um, mm. back in Sydney. Wow, just work quite well. That's very cool. So Natalie, you're current, yeah. um, Natalie, you're currently in lockdown in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you're currently writing something with the writer of Creswick. How, uh, how are you collaborating with them? Uh, yeah, well, um, I have a co-writer named Christian White. We wrote Relic together. And yeah, we have a new project called Drumwave, which is a, a Japanese folk horror. And, you know, it's it's been okay because we generally write separately. 
Uh, we come, uh, we'll get together for a few days to brainstorm and, you know, kind of plot out this, the film. But in terms of writing, we never really write physically in the same room. So it's been fun. You know, you just do these kinds of Zooms and mm. um, sort it out and then you go off and do your pass and we just share it back and forth. Mm. Oh, cool. So I wanted to ask about Creswick, which was mm-hmm. the short film that was the proof of concept for the feature. And mm-hmm. um, I heard in an interview that you had already written Relic when you made Creswick, right? Yeah. So it yeah. was very intentionally a proof of concept. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a first draft, but yeah, yeah we had the shape of it. Mm. Yeah. So how, how important was uh, having that short film, not just as like a proof of concept for funding, but for informing yourself on how the tone would be of the feature. Yeah, I always think it's, um, you know, the the short is very similar to the feature in setting a theme and tone. And I always think it's great because you learn on every single project that you do and you trial things out. Um, and so I was... It was great to be able to do Creswick and trial things that, uh, you know, are either successful or they're not. And you can kind of mm. learn from that and take them onto the feature. Mm. Uh, as we developed Relic further, I felt like we kind of imbued Relic with more and more of Creswick, which was quite cool to see. Mm. Um, there are some similarities in the imagery as well as some of the sound components as well. So. Yeah. And Rob, did you look... Was it useful for you to look at Creswick and have that as a kind of direct influence? Oh, definitely. It's always great to understand the filmmaker's aesthetic more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, yeah. And just talking to Nat about what she likes in films that she likes. She had some really wonderful references like um, uh, Woman in the Dunes and things like that yeah. that were really informative to me. Um but, yeah, because that's sort of my job is to be Nat's hands, really, you know, mm. try and get in her head to work out what she wants me to put on the screen or what she wants to put on the screen. So, um, yeah, all of that information is, is really valuable. Mm. Mm. Cool. And so, Nat, what when you had those chats with Rob, what were some of those influences? Were you always a big horror fan or is it something where you, like, put a drama idea you had into the horror genre? Yeah, I've always been a, a horror fan. I was really into Asian horror in my mm. teens. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like I started off in a place of making stuff that was dark psychological drama. And then it was like this downward descent into horror yeah. through film school. Yeah. Uh, so my third year like graduate film was also a horror film in that vein. Uh, yeah, drawing a lot from Asian horror was set in Shanghai as well. Mm. Um, and in terms of references for Relic, I guess uh, I'm always drawn to subjective storytelling. And so uh, similarly with sound as well, kind of being really with the character um, and also using what's available in the world. So a lot of diegetic sound as opposed to, you know, overlaying stuff that's Art, you know, feels artificial from the get-go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Woman in the um, Dunes is a good one. And uh, what else do we look at? Like Whistle and I'll Come to You. I don't know if you remember that. No. It was like a TV TV movie. Um, 
beautiful kind of gothic horror TV mm. movie uh, that stars John Hurt. Um, mm. Really, really great with sound design. Um, but also, again, Asian horror, like even something like One Miss Call, some of the sound techniques that they use, mm. um, really interesting. And the contrast between silence and, you know, isolation of sound mm. um, was really cool. Cool. You mentioned the diegetic sounds, and that was one of my favorite part of the soundtrack. Uh, is the sounds of the house, and they mm. give it such personality. And the sounds of the house almost really change over the film as her um, her mental state deteriorates. And so, I heard in an interview that Rob, you did a lot of recording in like an old creaky house. <laughs> It was my old creaky house. Oh, was it? Right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, uh, there were a lot of a lot of late nights. I stayed up. Um, I stayed up late. Um, you know, into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, yeah, recording different creaks and sounds coming from upstairs, and um, you know, and sounds from downstairs recording upstairs. And there was there was one particular um, evening where. I absolutely scared because I, you know, we're recording really quietly with the microphone really loud, and I've got the headphones on recording every little tiny noise. Yeah. And suddenly there was this humongous crash from upstairs. <laughs> Something had fallen over, and I was, oh, yeah, petrified. Yeah. It was, oh. <laughs> and all it was was a bike had fallen over upstairs. <laughs> But I was I was too scared to even go upstairs to have a look. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Completely yeah. freaked myself out because I was recording, you know, breathing from upstairs, and you know, I'd go in another room and close the door and turn the mic up really loud and just breathe or do moaning noises or whatever. So I was making all these really creepy noises and completely managed to freak myself out. <laughs> so, <laughs> but. Uh, mm. So you had a really big sample library to use for the film? Yeah. Yeah, we got a really big library together. Um, I, yeah. Another it's... thing I did was um, recordings from inside a piano. Oh, really? So cool. I had microphones inside the piano while I was recording in different parts of the room. Mm. Um, and that, that gave a really interesting effect of being behind the wall as well. Mm. Um, and I guess for us, like, we really wanted it to, you know, because there's so many types of different drones you can use. Yeah. But we really mm. wanted them to feel organic, um, mm. kind of relating to the decay, you know, that's so prevalent in the film, but also a sense of, um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's the elemental part of it, but also Edna's kind of world, which, you know, isn't modern, it's not digital. Um, mm. So we wanted to stay away from anything that sounded too kind of, yeah, fabricated. Yeah, mm. no, I was thinking just then about the, um, the sat like the soundtrack of the film and um, how it's an, it's like an electronic score primarily, but it, it sounds quite diegetic and normal in mm. the space. And, um, I was wondering, Rob, how much of that was you um, doing the sound design and how much of it was working with uh, Brian, the composer? It's a good question. I, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows. Uh, yeah, um, look, it was a, a, a marriage of the mm. two. 
very yeah. much, very intimately. So in terms of the sound library that, you know, we, you were talking about just then, it was definitely the case that Brian, uh, you know, recorded a bunch of stuff too. And then, you know, these guys shared it with each other. And so they were working kind of in a way that made the sound uh, cohesive. Oh, um, cool. But a lot of it was almost found in the, I mean, it was a lot of it was there, but in terms of how much of each was used was kind of found in the mix a little bit. Like it was a very, yeah, which I don't know if that's like a usual way to work, but, but it worked out. Yeah, cool. And a lot of those, a lot of that also happened during the edit because both Brian and I were feeding uh, Nat sound in the edit. Mm. Um, and so it all kind of went into the Abbott as well. And mm. so sometimes um, yeah, Nat would do her own take on things. So I'd get sounds back that I didn't recognise. I'd say, oh, that's that, that's really interesting. That's great. And she said, oh, yeah, that's the, the blah, blah, blah. But she'd taken a completely different section. Say I'd done a whole bunch of recordings inside the piano. I only recognised certain parts of it, but she'd take bits that I wouldn't even dream of using wow. and use them. Oh, cool. Um, and sometimes the only way to know was to trace back the file name to go, oh, right, yeah, that was uh, one of our recordings. Or, yeah. you know, uh, so that was really great for me. It's, all, it's so great to have a completely different perspective from mm. what I hear. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's that, yeah, that <laughs> was, it was great. Cool. Um, so, Natalie, do you, do you work in Pro Tools? Do you have experience in Pro Tools? Not at all. I, uh, <laughs> no, not at all. I, you know, obviously have done a short, you know, my own kind of tentative sound design on shorts mm. and then hand it over to someone who actually knows what they're doing. Um, but yeah, it was a very kind of organic, but also quite chaotic and um, at times process that I, I think in retrospect, it worked well for us because, you know, we were all separate you know, I, I feel like it would have been different if Brian and Rob were in the same room and there mm. wouldn't have been as much uh, to piece together. Mm. Whereas with the way that we were working, I, I, I think it worked out, but at the at the time I think it was, um, uh, yeah, I don't really know what I'm saying, but it was, it was a lot, wasn't it? Like it was, I yeah. feel like I, I made yeah. um, our sound mixer, uh, Steve, like crazy. <laughs> I think I drove him mental because I... <laughs> He was already mental. <laughs> <laughs> With the sheer number of notes and like fine tuning that was going on. Cause it wasn't like a normal mix where we were just lowering or, you know, raising the levels of the score. It was like, no, we have to mix the score and the sound design in the same space. Mm -hmm. So, and um, that, that was Steve Burgess, right? Yeah. Correct. Mm. Steve Burgess. Yeah. And he was, you know, I think he and Nat came up with a language for all the different sounds. Mm. So, and, and is that right, Nat? And because and, Steve's really into boats, so <laughs> a lot of it was nautical related. So it would be... <laughs> the, Mostly right? in jazz, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. had this special code for all the different sounds because mm. you couldn't say what they actually were because nobody knew what they were. Mm. You know, yeah. by, mm. by that stage, we didn't know what the original source was. Right. Yeah. And we were, you know, purposely looking for sounds that weren't immediately recognizable. Um, yeah. One of the distinct ones is the, what we call the Portuguese frog, which is like, 
lilting. It, it comes from like a wooden frog instrument that uh, oh. Brian had. But if you turn it, I don't know exactly what it is, but when you turn it, you get this kind of uh, dancing. It's over the title credit. Uh, oh, right, right. Dick, 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 dick kind of thing. Oh, um, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was a lot of that of... Uh, yeah, having to having to create a language for it. You're right. That's cool. <laughs> and Natalie, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Natalie, you mentioned earlier having done your own sound design on like indie short films and stuff like that. Um, how, having had that experience of doing that yourself, and I know that you've edited some of your own short films yourself as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was talking more earlier. Like, I definitely had, you know, sound designers on my my student short films. But, mm. you know, if you go further back to yeah. school and stuff, you just do your own. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, around. how did that, um, having experience doing that, inform how you work with, like, a professional sound designer? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's a question we for... We use the term loosely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not too sure. I guess um, Brian did say to me when we all met up at the premiere of the film, I've never worked with someone who's given me so many notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But um, yeah. Maybe it's just a, a specificity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, Rob, uh, I know you worked on The Loved Ones. And was, oh, that, yeah. was that your only experience with horror before this? Um, have you worked much in that genre? A little bit. Um, I did a Guillermo del Toro film called um, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Oh, really? Many years ago. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, the remake of that. Right. Um, so that that was in that was after that was just after the loved ones. Right. Um, and then I did a few thing few films with Jamie Blanks and uh, Mark Hartley. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's it, you're right. It's, it is sort of newish territory for me, or less familiar territory. Mm. Um, which I guess was, I don't know, it was good for me because I think you know we all wanted to stay away from tropes. Mm. Um, so I didn't have a whole, you know, language of horror tropes in my bag. Um, we had to come up with new ones simply because I didn't have them, I guess. Um, so, that, yeah. And Natalie, I know that you did an attachment with Leigh Winnell on Upgrade. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. did that uh, give you any experience or inform you on how to work in like the post-production environment? Um, most of my attachment was in pre and production. I oh, did, okay. right. yeah, right. I, I probably only did a week or so in post on that film and mm. it was in the offline. So mm. not too much to do with the sound design or anything like that. Um, mm. I probably got more insight into visual effects though, Oh, cool. kind of in, in pre and then just seeing their progress yeah. later, but yeah. not too much to do with sound. So you're, Natalie, you're currently writing the next feature drum wave based on your last short film um mm -hmm. is there anything that you think you're gonna take over from your experience on relic into that 
Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I I can't think of anything neat to tell you about. I feel like you you kind of learn through absorption and, you know, things that that have panned out and things that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like one thing we did uh, on Relic, which really worked out, was kind of honing in on those very unique sounds that you need to develop over time. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were like Edna's kind of death rattle. Um, yeah. Yeah. towards the end of the film and that was something we flagged from the beginning and you know this uh the pulsating lights in the sense of the house breathing mm. that was also a sound i know we had quite early on um which kind of shaped some of the other you know sound design elements mm. so so i definitely think that's something to continue and in, in really pinpointing you know some things can be drawn from libraries that exist but some really do need to be developed and um crafted so just having those in mind Mm. um the skin peeling as well which was an interesting one oh that was excruciating (laughs) that was like really that was some body (laughs) horror stuff right there yeah amazing yeah it was great we'd have to to ask um mario the foley artist oh was was it it was like chicken carcasses or something oh god Good grief. What actually, yeah. actually like peeling skin off chicken carcasses or something? Yeah, pe- peeling um, flesh off bone, no? Oh, God. I think so. I think that's what he used, yeah, because he had a bunch of chickens and he had to use them before they got a bit too old, too early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you don't want to go into Mario's foley room after that. <laughs> And uh, do you do you know was there much processing done to Foley like that, Rob? Um, there was a, not a lot of processing to the Foley. That was fair, mm. you know. It comes in from Mario pretty well um, done, and we weren't wanting to over process the Foley too much either. Yeah, um, cool. But uh, it uh, the Foley went over to Ryan Granger to do a Foley edit on. Um, so there's quite a lot of detailed editing work within, say, that skin peeling scene, for example, mm. um, definitely. And he worked quite closely with Nat um, on that as well oh. to, 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 to get, yeah, I think we had a few different options for the, for the skin peeling, oh. a few different layers. And Natalie, I forgot to ask you about the very cool credits of um, the Russo brothers as executive producers. Pretty Uh impressive for a debut feature, but like, (laughs) I'm not sure um, how, how much uh, input did they have on things like the edit towards, Mm -hmm. uh, towards the end of the film? Yeah, that I would say they were most involved in post in terms mm. of giving notes. Um, we actually went over to LA to uh, do like three weeks in the room with them. So mm. that was great. Um, it was mostly Joe Russo, I think, who was most hands-on and their sister, Angela, who's like their head of story. Um, mm. So she was really great to work with kind of day to day. And yeah, just work through solutions, I guess, that's the thing about having EPs who are filmmakers as well is that they, you know, often have these potential solutions as well as the notes. Uh, it's not just like make this 
better. You know, mm. it's it's quite helpful in that way. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it can be quite challenging when you're. It's good that we went over because it's it's challenging responding to notes when you're in separate continents. Yeah, and obviously, you know, with Rob in Sydney, me in Melbourne. Sound from working in Melbourne, Brian in LA, our composer, and the producers in New York and LA. It's a lot to yeah. <laughs> have to work across everything. I mean, I think that's just, you know, the way that people work these days, but it can be really challenging. So yeah. I think it was worthwhile that we took the time because sometimes, you know, a note that seems prescri prescriptive when it's written down is just a really quick conversation in the room. So, mm. um, yeah, it's always it's always better to just chat it through. Yeah. And mm. so I forgot to ask about Brian being in LA and you two being mm. in different cities. How like how do you think that informed your collaboration? Yeah, I mean, look, I I think it's a preference to be in the same room, yeah. especially when it comes to something like music which can be very tricky to talk about at the best mm. of times when you're not a musician mm. um, and you really are just kind of talking from intuition or you know descriptive uh, words that come from emotion or mm. something like that so uh, we we did have some time together obviously when I was in LA for three weeks I was able to sit with him um, but we hadn't picture locked by then so it's always the balance of like you can only do so much and mm. you know some composers really like to uh, they'll, in the case with Brian, you know, they'll amass a whole bunch of sounds, but they really need that. They prefer that final cut to be able to score it, you know, mm. um, as, as appropriate. So, um, no, it was really, it was really great. I mean, he's, he's incredible as robbers and they, I felt like they really dug each other's work as well. Um, correct me if oh, I'm wrong, yeah. Rob. <laughs> oh, ab absolutely. Sorry, just yeah. switch back. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Brian's work. I have been ever since he was the drummer in Red Cross. So, but to, for me to work with him um, was was a, was just fantastic. I was so thrilled. Um, mm. Are you yeah. kidding? You know, <laughs> to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I had. So a... yeah, that was just. A, I'm just a fan of his work. So that <laughs> yeah. was amazing. Yeah, my mm. co-writer and I really loved the show uh, Hannibal and his work. Oh, on my show. God. Right. Yeah. Really so distinctive. Um, and, yeah, we just uh, just through chatting on Skype, we loved a lot of the same kind of uh, Japanese films as well mm. from the 60s. And so, um, yeah, he was, he was such a great uh, collaborator. Mm. Mm. Hectic. I'm very jealous of his instrument collection as well. <laughs> yes. He makes his own instruments. Is that right now? Wow. He's, yeah, he yeah. Builds his own instruments. Yeah. Yeah, he's also got this, um, which we used on Relic, uh, the speaker that spins as well. So you can, oh, cool. you can, it's, I think it was like an old washing machine drum or something. Yeah. So you can change the way, the speed of it and, um, you know, just fling sound and then record that. Mm. Um, and that's so that's, crazy. yeah, that's the film. I think it's like the, even the final moment of the film is that spinning. Wow. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Wow. Yeah, the speaker's been, yeah. Just lo lo losing track of all the sounds that were in it. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, there's like a, um, what do they call those, those Super Bowls, the bouncy balls, like rubbing against drums. And yeah, there's all sorts of interesting um, uh, offbeat kind of sounds in there. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So for you, it was more about like creating a library of things and then trying to manipulate it to the picture as opposed to responding directly to the picture? Uh, So kind of a mix. Like I guess we started early, amassed the library, and then we were able to use those sounds directly in the edit um, Mm. as, you know, as temp tracks, but but by using what what's in your library already, it's not like it having to recreate it in a way. It's kind mm. of like it's it, it just means I think there's a danger sometimes in temp tracks where you get so attached to it and then, you know, the composition sounds wrong because it's not exactly that. Whereas yeah. we didn't really have that problem because a lot of the sounds we were using were going to be in the final product anyway. Mm. So, um, yeah, that was kind of how it happened. And then Brian would go off and arrange his stuff and then Rob would have all of his, um, yeah. And then bring it all together oh. in the mix. Cool. It was sort of a rare, it, what was rare is that it did work together. And I think mm-hmm. because Nat knew all the sounds so intimately that it wasn't, it wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of clash. Mm. I think through just that, that process of, I suppose supplying the picture edit early, it took its own shape mm. in a way. Yeah. Um, or it was shaped mm. uh, throughout the throughout the process, which was um, which, yeah, it, it, that worked out really well. I thought. Very cool. Cool. Mm. So, um, Natalie, you're uh, writing Drumwave at the moment. How how far through are you with that? When do you when do you think we'll be seeing that? Yeah, good question. I would have no idea. I think mm. originally we had planned to aim to shoot like 2021 sometime, but yeah. I doubt that's the case now with mm. everything going on. Uh, so we finished a second draft earlier this year and we're just about to embark on our third and are just having conversations about how to kind of piece it together. So, cool. Well, yeah. I really loved the short, so I'm excited to see how that turns out oh thanks and yeah cheers. I, I was curious are you um a native chinese speaker no um the short now the short was set in china but yeah. the feature is going to be set in japan oh, uh, cool, and i'm cool. half japanese yeah. yeah very cool great that sounds ex- i'm excited to see it um, yeah cheers. <laughs> and rob um what have you got coming up after the wonkawai stuff um, where we're sort of um, in the middle of Mortal Kombat, which shot in oh, cool, um, cool. South Australia. Yeah. So um, we'll finish that up um, probably early next year. Mm. So it's looking really great. Great. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun coming up with new sounds. Mm. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much for joining me guys it was a pleasure chatting to you both yeah no problem thanks for having us thanks Thanks a lot guys thanks so much again to rob and natalie for making the time remember if you haven't seen relic yet do check it out it's really great uh as usual sound and music was by jean david le goulon uh thanks guys have a great day